You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. If you guys remember last week, I told you, uh, everyone's always got an agenda, right? Uh, But if you're taking a journey with someone, it's good to know their agenda and where they're going and why, right? if, if, If you take a road trip with me, here's what I want you to know. I want to get there as fast as humanly possible. I'm that guy. Like if, you, if we're taking a road trip, fan vacation, we all load, what I want to do is get from here to there as fast as I can. I don't even want to stop to use the bathroom. Like whatever it takes, let's just get there. Right? That, that's, that's my agenda. And so if you're like, hey, let's stop and see the ball of twine. I'm like, Nyong! don't care. That's me. Okay. That's my agenda. Now, some of you, you're more like, ah, you just want to meander on a road trip, right? You want to stop at the antique store and see the old stuff that other people threw away, right? I mean, you, 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 you want to stop here and stop there. Ah! Not only do I not want to do that, I don't want you driving in front of me. <laughs> like, it's just not my agenda. And so I think it should be fair, should you and I ever discuss taking a road trip together, that I say, here's what I want to do. And you say, well, here's what I want to do. And we probably take different cars. (laughs) That's fine. That means we don't love each other. Sometimes that's the best thing to do. Right? I mean, so, but knowing my agenda, you jump in the car with me, and and it's fair to say, I'm going to get there as fast. Knowing your agenda, I wouldn't get in the car with you. And so John has an agenda. And we're taking this journey with John, and I think it's good that he has an agenda because he tells us exactly where we're going. He tells us why he wrote what he wrote. In John 20, 31, it says, But these, these stories, these words, these pages, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. All right, so John is writing, Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Remember, he's inspired, not possessed. Uh, God isn't forcing his hand, but God is working through him to speak truth. And John is taking you on this journey. And the purpose of it all is so that you will come to believe that Jesus Christ is one with God, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, the Christ, and that through believing all of that, you will have life. That's what John is doing. And so this week, uh, John is going to introduce us to another John. So this is going to get confusing for a minute, but you have John the author who's writing the book, and then you have another guy named John T. Baptist. That's how he signs his stuff. (laughs) I think that's funny. (laughs) John the Baptist is is the other John, and I think it's also important you know this. His name was not the Baptist. That's not his last name. All right, it wasn't wasn't that he came from First Baptist Church. He was John the Baptist because he baptized people. His real name was like John Johnson or something, or Smith, who knows? But it wasn't the Baptist, right? But, but we're going to call him John T. Baptist because that's what John calls him. But as we're going through this, I want you to remember, there's John the author and there's John the Baptist. And so I'll try to specify between each one. But this dude is of massive importance in the Bible. And I know because he gets a lot of play in there. Like they talk, and it wasn't really until this week when I began putting this message together when I realized just how much attention John T. Baptist really got. John 1 6, John the author is going to introduce us. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. 
He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. All right, so John the author is talking about John the Baptist. And he says, John the Baptist was a man sent by God, and his job was to bear witness to Jesus, to prepare the way for Jesus, to testify to the light. He said he was not the man, but he knew the man. And his job was to make sure that the world was prepared for the man. And so the amount of detail that the authors of the different gospels go into about John the Baptist is amazing. In Luke, we have this story that I'm about to read you, and it's about, it's about the John the Baptist in utero. All right, John the Baptist, his, his mom's mother was a or his mom's mother, his mother was a mother. His mom's name was Elizabeth. That's what I'm trying to say. And when Elizabeth is pregnant with John T. Baptist, she ends up in a room with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And when these two women are in the room together, they have babies, living, breathing beings alive and utero in, in them. And watch what happens right here in Luke 1, 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so when John the Baptist is in the room with Jesus, even in utero, it's like he recognized, it's like he must have had a, a womb with a view because he could see the truth. I wrote that joke. Thank you. A lot of times they just come to me. I actually wrote that one, spent a lot of time thinking about it, thought it was hilarious. A womb with a view, come on. That's my first album title. So cool. He sees and understands in utero. You guys see what's going on? The baby's not yet born, but alive in the womb. He recognizes another child. He recognizes the king. He recognizes the man. And she goes, oh, baby leapt inside of her. <laughs> Isn't that cool? It's like when you jump on the elevator right before it hits the, I don't know. That's Luke. <laughs> Listen to what Matthew says. So Matthew is going to tell you, John the Baptist didn't stay a baby. He, he grows up like babies do. And Matthew 3, 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come. Repent means turn. Stop doing what you're doing. Turn toward Jesus. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. He was a voice calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths. John's clothes were made of camel hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. And people went out from Jerusalem and Judea and the whole region of Jordan, and they were confessing their sins, and they were being baptized in the Jordan River. Okay, so you've got this guy, John. He's walking around talking about something. And what is he telling people to do? Repent. He's walking around going, repent. Jesus is here. Like, stop doing what you're doing and turn towards Jesus. Stop sinning and, and turn towards life. The king is here. Repent. It says his clothes were, were strange. They were camel hair. And then it said he had a leather belt. And I was like, a leather belt really isn't all that strange. But I think my belt is actually leather. But... That's not weird. But the camel hair is weird, I guess. And then, and then he says he's eating weird things like locust and wild honey. That's weird, right? And so there was something different about this guy. And this guy is walking around in the wilderness, and he's telling people to repent, to, to, to stop sinning and to prepare the way for Christ. And when I read this this week, the first thought that kept coming into my head was, if this guy was alive today, he would have a very, very, very small following. 
Very few people would follow John the Baptist today. He wouldn't be a social media hero. If he wrote a book, it wouldn't even make the top 20. Um, Because there's a lot of Christian books in the top 10. Very few of them are telling people to deal with sin. But John the Baptist comes with something different, an inconvenient truth that nobody in the world wants to hear. That in order to prepare the way for Christ, we have to deal with sin. And today, if, if somebody talks about sin, it's like they're either a fanatic or they're crazy or they're mean or, they're, or they don't love people. Like you're not allowed to address sin anymore when this is exactly what John the Baptist walked around doing. Matter of fact, he said everything was secondary compared to dealing with the junk in my life that was standing between me and God. And if that was the message today, if that was a pastor or an author, I'm telling you, nobody would listen. And listen, when John starts writing about John the Baptist, um, this is what he says. John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. So John the Baptist sees Jesus coming toward him. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water is so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down on him from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen it. I testify. This is God's chosen one. Okay, guys, John the Baptist, John T. Baptist right here, he's making some big, big claims about Jesus. The first claim he's making is this, when he says, look, there is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. The very first claim he's making is that there is sin in the world and that the sin in the world needs to be dealt with. And John the Baptist didn't come to coddle sin. He didn't come to affirm sin. He didn't come to, to just dismiss sin. He came preparing a way for Christ by saying we need to deal with sin. But I figured out why that doesn't play too well anymore. 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. We're living in that time. This is that time when people will not put up with truth. Instead, they'll gather around them pastors and people and authors and musicians who will simply say what they want to hear because we think there's some freedom or, or some joy in that. And I also wondered as I wrote this, why didn't I just do something that was Mother's Day-ish? It would have been so much easier because this has nothing to do with Mother's Day. Still, happy Mother's Day, but now back to the sermon. I, I was talking with a Danny and staff meeting this week, and we were all talking about the church and ways our church needed to grow and change and some things like this. And one of the interesting things Danny said was, there's no confession in church anymore. The confession is sort of a lost art in church. And, and I kind of let that marinate in my brain for a few days until I figured out why there was no confession. There's no confession in church anymore because there's too many churches telling you that everything you want to do is right. And there's no confession because we don't really identify sin as sin. 
There's no confession because somewhere along the way it became what we want and our desires and our motives and our agenda and those things were elevated above God and when that happens, there is no confession because there's no need for it. When there's no sin, why confess? And I think we can kind of see that that's what's happened sometimes and in some ways. And when we do that, we water down the gospel. We find a false version of Jesus who really just looks a lot like me. John 1.14, it says, When the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace, period. Right? Isn't that where that verse ends? He came from the Father full of grace. No, it says full of grace and, and truth. Yikes. We like the grace part. I like to preach the grace part. It's the truth part that's kind of the kicker. But there is no grace without truth. There's, there's no grace. There's, I can't be aware of what God has done for me if I don't embrace how damaging my sins are. I can't, be, I can't stand in awe of His grace if I don't understand what I did to offend Him. And God say, it's, it's not grace to find someone who's muddy and dirty and stinky and not help them get better, to not even mention at some point in the relationship, hey, by the way, you're muddy, dirty, and stinky. That's not grace. If I'm up here preaching and I've got like a, a, a boogie on my face and my zipper's down and nobody tells me, that's not grace. Okay, that's mean. <laughs> right? If someone's walking towards a cliff and you don't go, hey, hey, hold on. I love you and you're welcome to keep walking. But you should know that's a cliff and you're going to die. To not tell them that, is that grace? Of course not. But that's the world we live in. Because truth isn't always what our itching ears want to hear. Second statement I think John makes that is so important is he said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify this is God's chosen one. Okay, what was what John's agenda is that you would know that Jesus was the Messiah and that through knowing that you would have life. Right here, what he's saying is, I saw the Holy Spirit come on him and remain in him. He is one with the Father. He is one with the Son. He is God. So this, this Jesus, he makes this claim over and over in his book. Don't miss this. He's like, you, you should repent of your sinfulness and you should move towards him because he is God. God. He's God in a body. He's God in the flesh. And the third statement, I think this, this may be the most important one for us today. In John 3, 29, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And that joy is mine. And it's now complete. He must become greater. This is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He must become greater, and I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs only to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. But the one who comes from heaven, he is above all. We got to get this. I must become great less, and he must become greater. I must decrease so that he must increase. Uh, but because I'm being convicted of my sin, because I'm being made aware of the wrong in my life, because he is God, that I must decrease and he must increase. And I think we've come to believe that to decrease is to make me less of a person, that to sacrifice some of my desires and my motives and my agendas and my wants is to make me less. Of, that doesn't make you less of a person. 
When you decrease in that, you increase in what a person was meant to be, which is one who was created in the image of God. It's like you don't become less when you decrease. You become more of what he designed you to be. You're not losing. We're not losing things when we decrease to our gender and our motives. Yeah, you might have to sacrifice, but get what? This is an inconvenient gospel, and there's sacrifice involved. You might have to sacrifice. You might have to let go, but it's not making you less of a person. It's making you more. As you decrease, he increases in you, and you become more like Christ. And Jesus is actually the only person who was ever fully person because he lived out the full extent of what person was designed to be. And so to decrease is to become more when you sacrifice your ways and your agenda for his. And it's hard. It's hard for us to do because what we come to believe is that I will only have joy if I can pursue the things that I truly want. Listen to what John the Baptist says. He says, that joy is mine and it is now complete. Let me tell you guys something that, that, that I believe is, is incredibly true. You will never have joy pursuing a God of your own creation, which is what we typically, we, we like the Jesus thing when he died on the cross for us. And then when he gets to the whole obedience thing and obey my commands and carry your cross daily, we kind of begin to create a different Jesus Y'all remember Plato Jesus? Anybody remember that? We kind of begin to create our own Jesus that at the end of the day really just looks a lot like me, right? Because I like me. I like what I do. I even like what I do, and what I do violates what he says I should do. And so we think we're going to find joy by creating a God that looks just like me and affirms all my choices and all my desires and everything. But the truth is there is no joy in that. It's a temporary false substitute for joy. Joy is found in becoming a full and complete person. And that is only found by surrendering your life to the only one who's ever been a complete person. And so joy is found in him. And I, um, y'all know, you would think somebody as good as John I mean, John loved Jesus. He's endorsed by all three. He's endorsed by Matthew, Mark, and John. They all endorsed, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They endorsed John, right? And so you would think John, John the author now, who wrote this book, and John the Baptist, who lived this life, you would think that John the Baptist would have ended up super famous. I mean, this guy was good. He's endorsed by the people who knew Jesus. You would think he would have led revivals, and there would have been a million people, and he would have one billion followers on Facebook. You know what they did to John the Baptist? They chopped his head off. Because that's sometimes what the world wants to do to the people who bring the truth. They want to silence him. John the Baptist would have had three followers on Instagram. It would have been Luke, Mark, and John. Nobody else wanted to hear him. And so I, I, think, I think the conviction I have in my heart and what I want to share with you guys today is this. And it's, it's pretty simple for a church full of people who I think a lot of, there's a lot of new Christians in this building. And a lot of people who are new to this whole Jesus thing. I just, I want you to hear this because this is really the conviction of my heart. Not everything you read that says the name Jesus is really speaking for Jesus. And I, I, want, I want you to hear that. And just because someone is kind, it doesn't mean they speak for Jesus. And just because someone writes uh, a song or, or, or a movie or, or a book that you feel good about, that doesn't make it true. Test these things, guys. Test what you hear. Test and make sure, test what I say. 
there, there's a, it's called solo scriptura, which means only scripture. Test what I say against this book. Test it against people like John the Baptist. If you're reading something and it's affirming every single thing you've ever thought and making you feel good about every single thing you've ever sinned about, that may not actually be the voice of God speaking to you. So I would just encourage you, test and see. There was a guy named John the Baptist who was endorsed by the people who endorsed Jesus. He wasn't all that popular, but I think he spoke truth. And so as we, as a, as a group of people, are learning to love Jesus and we're on this search for truth, man, just be careful what you let into your mind and into your home and into your heart. Be careful what you, what you give your kids and you call it Jesus. Make sure it's the Jesus who saved the world. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.